Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Tonight's topic, distress tolerance or distress intolerance, whatever you want to call it. Last week, I got you to stop and direct some attention towards our distraction areas or where and see where you may have been sitting in those distraction areas really just to have a become aware that some of the actions that we've been taking are actually distractions so I'm hoping you've had a sneaky peek but if not then tonight's topic is probably going to relate either way the reality is that looking in places we haven't looked for a while or don't want to look are always going to throw us some curveballs. Just think about that dreaded cupboard or the garage. Who knows what you'll find under that crap. But as you know, I like to look under all that crap. So let's have a look at what happens when we find something unexpected or in fact find what we knew was there but still don't want to deal with anyway. It invariably brings up the emotional crap. And this is the focus of our topic tonight. Now, there are two reasons for this. Firstly, going on from last week, I told you I was definitely going to be talking about self-care, and we are. In fact, I have got self-care month coming up starting from next week. The problem with some of our self-care at the moment, though, is that in some cases, you may not be able to do what you usually do due to crazy COVID. Secondly, You may have had a look and realised that some of your previous self-care methods were actually a distraction. If either case is the case, guess what you end up with? The same shitty feeling. That leaves you with the original problem, not liking what you found in Nana's garage. So let's deal with the root cause, which is distress intolerance. And what the hell is that? Distress intolerance is pretty much how it sounds. It's the inability to sit with, deal with, or manage the emotions or emotional responses that cause us distress. All humans experience a a range of emotions. Some of those emotions may be comfortable to us and some are not comfortable. There are varying types of emotions that people might find distressing, which include a few groups. So we'll just call them the sad. This group includes the emotions that reflect sadness at varying degrees of intensity. These include the smaller emotions such as disappointment, hurt, guilt, shame, depression, grief, those sorts of things. Then we've got the second group, which is the mad. This group includes emotions that reflect anger at varying degrees. So you've got your little emotions within that range, such as irritation, agitation, frustration, pissed off, jealousy, um, disgust. The third group is the scared. 
So this group is going to include all your emotions that reflect fear. And they can be some of the words like nerves, nerve, I'm nervous about this, I'm anxious, I'm dreading it, fear, panic. They're the sort of words that reflect um, fear for us. Now, most people don't like feeling uncomfortable. And so we experience emotional discomfort, which we evaluate negatively. And that's the problem. Our evaluation is not necessarily on the emotion itself, but what we believe about feeling that emotion. All right, so statements like, I can't stand this, or I hate this feeling, take it away or I'll lose control. Something like, it's bad to feel this way, I must stop feeling this way, or I can't cope with this feeling, it's weak to feel this way. The more strongly we hold on to those kind of beliefs about our emotions, the more bothered we're going to be by them and the more we will want to get rid of them. Our levels of tolerance towards emotion are based on how much we fear them, how unpleasant they feel to us, how unbearable they seem and how much we want to get away from emotions rather than the intensity of the emotion themselves. So distress intolerance is when someone believes they are unable to cope with their uncomfortable emotions and tries to escape or avoid them. How does it develop? Well, it's likely a combination of biological and environmental factors that lead some people to be more intolerant of emotional distress than others. There is some suggestion that some people are biologically, now that's our genetics, more sensitive to negative emotions and experience negative emotions more easily or at a higher level of intensity than some other people. This means that some people experiencing negative emotions, are, it's much more painful and hence have greater difficulty coping with that experience. It's also likely that our experiences growing up through childhood, adolescence and even through adult life can shape how we deal with emotions. Some people may not have been shown ways to tolerate emotional discomfort. For example, being punished for expressing normal emotions like crying when they were sad, others may have only been shown unhelpful ways of dealing with their emotions, such as seeing a loved one use alcohol to deal with their own emotions. It was really common um, in you know, particular generations that little girls were not allowed to get angry. And so they were told, you know, don't you get angry at me, miss, and basically swallowed that anger, but were never shown what to do with it. When you now experience anger, it starts to be really uncomfortable, but it's not the actual feeling of anger that's uncomfortable. It's the not knowing what to do with the anger that becomes uncomfortable, and that's what leads to the problem. Now, what is the problem with distress intolerance? Well, it sort of makes a lot of sense to try and get away from things that feel unpleasant. And that strategy, you know, it works, really. It works for other things that makes us uncomfortable. If it's cold, you avoid the cold and you warm up. If it's hot, you do the same. If you're hungry, you avoid hunger pains and you go for food. Unfortunately, when we apply the same strategy to our emotions, it seems to backfire. The more we fear, struggle with, or try to avoid any form of distress, generally the worse that distress gets. 
our fear and avoidance of the distress actually amplifies it. So what can be done? Instead of fearing and fighting uncomfortable emotions and desperately trying to get rid of them, it is possible to learn how to sit with and tolerate emotional distress such that we can learn the emotion will pass and that we can cope. This is essentially what people call emotional regulation. The problem with just teaching people about emotional regulation is that unless they understand why the uncomfortable feelings have come up, how they have come up and why they or what it is about their personality, either genetically or environmentally, that prevents them from managing it, once they understand what's happened to them to, have, to stop that, then they can look at, oh, now I understand what distress tolerance is. Then they can look at, right, now how can I manage and regulate my emotions, okay? So this will often involve identifying and challenging beliefs we hold about the emotion and learning to balance tolerating emotional discomfort when it does arise with taking action to improve our emotional experience. So it's not going to be easy. That's the thing. But it doesn't have to be the worst thing. In fact, I always look at this and, and say to people, the amount of discomfort that you're probably feeling right now is the same as if you actually looked at it. Because people don't realise that often when they have avoided, trying to avoid the feeling of sadness or distress or fear, they're actually feeling it. You're feeling it anyway. You're actually going through all the motions. The only thing you're not doing is basically joining up the circle to make full circle, which is what we have as resolution. Now, distress toler tolerance is actually part of a therapy style called DBT, which is dialectical behaviour theory, which is essentially learning how to regulate your emotions. It's a huge therapy process and very specialised and effective. It's most often used with a number of uh, diagnosable psychological disorders. But we don't all need intensive therapy to manage or regulate emotions. Sometimes just becoming aware of the feeling and applying some simple tools to help can, you know, particularly given we are on the hunt for the uncomfortable in our process. I want you to look at the uncomfortable. So if I'm going to ask you to dig around, I need to help you figure out what to do when you find something you don't necessarily like. Okay, so a really simple way to increase your distress tolerance in a crisis situation is to use your body's senses. Self-soothing is an enormous part of DBT. The self-soothing through senses can quickly reduce the intensity of negative emotions. Once again, this week, I've included a bonus handout for this, which will be available in the comments, probably at the end of this video for you or attached to the video replay tomorrow. Just when we, I think it's going to be in the comments tonight. But I'm going to go through them now for a little bit of clarity. And it works off the rule of the five senses. Although in DBT, they add a sixth element, which we're going to have a look at as well. So the five senses are sight, sound, taste, touch, smell, and the sixth is movement. 
There is a really cool senses anxiety practice. Oh God, I haven't written it down. It's called, it's with the hand, 54321. That's actually what it's called. You can Google that one. I haven't put that in, but I think I have put it into the handout. And it talks about five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. So if you are super anxious in a place where you can't apply the whole senses movement, if you look at it, remember the rule of five and use your finger, your fingers to do that, it is a really good grounding technique wherever you are. So that little tool is in the handout. What I'm going to do, though, is go through each of the senses, okay? So with sight, use your vision to focus on something else. Count how many places you can see a certain colour in the room or focus on an object's texture. You can also pull out your phone and scroll, scroll through some of your favourite photos because we want things that are going to evoke um, pleasant memories for you without distracting. You're just self-soothing, okay? Hearing. This is your sound. Listen to sounds, any sounds. Can you hear birds chirping or the sound of traffic outside? It's a really interesting technique to try and drown out the other things around you and listen to particular micro sounds. So turn up the volume on your favourite song and just listen. If you prefer soothing sounds, there are many apps you can install on your phone to play on the go. Taste. A small treat can give you something pleasurable to focus focus on while you're getting through a tough moment. You don't need to prepare a full meal. A piece of gum, a few mints will do the trick. Sometimes, especially when we're doing the rule of five and we get down to the, the last thing, you know, something you can taste, often you're in a meeting. I've done this when I've been in a meeting and I'm absolutely panicked before I go in there. And I do the rule of five and you look around and I see the, the six things and whatever. And you eventually get down to taste. And if it's first thing in the morning, you're going, oh, what can I taste? Oh, shit, it's probably coffee. It doesn't matter what you can taste. The thing is, is that once you focus on the different elements of the process, it distracts your mind just to ground you to go and do what you need to do so that you can come back and figure out what needs to be done. It's the self-soothing form. Now, smell, whether it's good or bad, focus on whatever scent is in the air. Can you identify the smell or break it down into its components? For easy access to a scent you find calming, put a few drops of your favourite essential oil uh, onto a cotton ball and keep it with you in a plastic bag. It sounds bizarre, but it works. I don't, for those of you who have had kids, um, smell is really, really interesting for children. And I remember... When my little, well, more my son, when he went to pre-primary, they used to still have a little nap um, space and they had to bring their favourite pillow. Now, each week they would send that pillow home to be washed. He used to want my perfume one week to be sprayed on the pillow and the next week he would want my husband's aftershave to be sprayed on the pillow so that when he laid down, 
it reminded him of home and it was such a beautiful way for him to self-soothe. And he was one of those kids that would sleep at pre-primary when they put them down for their little naps. It's still an effective method for adults. What we don't do is give ourselves permission to feel a little bit vulnerable at times and do something with it. Now, the sixth one that DBT put in is movement. And while you technically only have five senses, the sixth sense of movement is that in your emotional, your emotional state can be altered by your body's movements. So just moving seats or taking a walk around the block or, you know, just doing something, dance to your favourite song, it doesn't really matter. Why we are always more mindful of it is that if you are in a meeting just before you go into a meeting and you're feeling really anxious and you get up and you start dancing around the waiting room, eh, you're probably going to have a few more problems other than your nerves, okay? So movement, but it is really powerful, so I want you to have a look at it. Now, all of this is going to be in the handout, but the challenge I'm going to give you is to put together a self-soothing toolkit. What you're going to have in that handout is a little, you know, drawing of basically a couple of suitcases, well, more than five suitcases. You're going to have your smell, touch, sound, sight, um, and whatever the last one was, can't remember it. But you're going to have little pictures that do. And we, I want you to put together a self-soothing toolkit so you have what you need on hand when you need it. You don't need something for each domain, but if you know what you like in each area, it helps to know what to do if your go-to isn't available. And, you know, the reality is, is if you ha can pick these things now first, um, you're going to find that when it your anxiety levels rise, we don't often don't think clearly. And what we need to do is have our habits in place. And if your self-soothing toolkit becomes a bit of a habit and you know what it is, you're going to find it's really, really beneficial. Now, I have got a couple of clients who, after doing some of this work, and especially with the DBT model, we noticed something really interesting uh, in relation to touch. And it probably is a little bit like the story I just told you about my son. So his go-to sensory soother is smell. He's got a real thing with smell and if he finds that sensory smell thing, it reminds him and, and, and immediately takes him back to a place of comfort. Some, you will notice, and that's probably part of the challenge, have a notice what is it that you, out of those five senses, that soothes you the most. So I want you to try them all during the week. There's only five of them, five days, you can figure that out. What one of my clients noticed, and in fact, this is probably something that a lot of people relate to, it's touch, and in particular, velvet. So this client in particular, it reminded them of their childhood where they often use blankets or toys as a soother, and you often see little kids doing this on a blanket where they rub whatever the edge. Often you will see it with blankets with the, they've got a little satin rim, and kids love that feel, that soft feel. Velvet is the same way. So they literally have a piece of velvet in a Ziploc bag in their purse or their handbag pocket. And when they're anxious, they just pull it out. Nobody notices and it just helps soothe when they, while they remember to breathe. And it can be as simple as that because the reality is 
we don't we don't know when it's coming anxiety doesn't hold up a little sign and say get ready i'm coming it just knocks you out of the ballpark and it's that breathing in and that surprise where you go oh my god i don't understand what happened where you need to be able to reach for something immediately that is instant that is accessible that is um not noticeable because often one of the things that will prevent you from grounding or self-soothing is the fear of somebody seeing that's just sabotaging you you just if you have to get up and walk somewhere to find that little piece of velvet knock yourself out because all it needs to do is help you ground bring you back to right now so that you can go what am i going to do now uncomfortable emotions are a part of life the more we manage them the less they become a problem. How you handle them in the moment makes all the difference. Even if you can't change the situation, getting through a small space of time just takes you to the next step. And that next step may actually be the one you're looking for. Distress tolerance has actually been one of the biggest things that I've learned, um, especially over the last few years of you know, I've had some personal stuff going on. Some of you guys know about that. Some of you don't. But the reality is, is we've all got stuff going on. And it's how we sit in the space at the time. And what's really interesting is that I've wanted to run away from it so many times. But there are times where you just can't. And the times that I have run away, I've stayed in the shit space for longer. That's That's been the, the thing that I realise is that when you have some events that you actually can't run away from and you have to sit in it, you end up going through it faster. The situation may take as long as it needs, but your perception of it after or even during the time, it just seems to be more fluid. It goes along more. The more I resist wanting to be there, the longer I seem to, the, the whole space seems to last, which is been really powerful for me to learn about. So I'm sure you guys have got your own shit going on, <laughs> whether it's to do with COVID, whether it's to do with your life. And, you know, the fact that if you've had a bit of a scout around um, from last week and had a look at some of the distractions and start asking yourself some questions, you might find, oh, hang on, I've just seen that there's a whole stack of messages on here that I've missed. Oh, and there's the thing. Oh, all these people. Question about breathing. Go for it. Miss J, is the self-soothing not distracting? Hang on. Is the self-soothing not distracting away from the distress in a way of like not helping with distress intolerance? Okay. I don't think so because DBT uses the process of self-soothing to ground and I think that's the difference. Distracting doesn't ground us. Distracting just takes us away from the feeling. What self-soothing does is it actually keeps you in the feeling, but, but you end up just grounding with it. You're not avoiding it. You're just sitting in it. And that's the key to self-soothing, sitting with the uncomfortable to learn that uncomfortable is not actually going to be the thing that kills you. It's to know that you can survive uncomfortable. And when you know that you can survive uncomfortable and get through that space, 
you innately learn to trust that you're going to be okay. And if you can do that, that's the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself is to trust that you're going to get through it. So I hope that makes sense, Soph. Anna, with the taste sense, do you think of taste or do you abs actually eat or drink something? You can do both. You can do both. It's just about um, because that will probably can't partly come with movement. Now, I'm going to put a disclaimer on that. Think about what you're shoving in your mouth because if you're using chocolate to distract, well, then you've got a whole other issue on your hands, okay? So for the... You've got to ask yourself, am I an emotional eater? Because emotional eaters use food to distract. Okay, so if the answer is I'm emotionally eating to distract, avoid the taste um, soother. It's not a soother. Okay, or remember a taste. Remember a pleasant taste rather than actually eat it. Right, Jamie, is that a form of self-soothing in a form of feeling or is it a whole new way? Hang on, this is based. Can these techniques, can these, yes, they can work in times of anger because self-soothing is for any of the groups. I'm not sure when you jumped on, Jay, but I described the three sets of feelings now obviously they're that they're our base emotions so we had the sad group the mad group and the scared group so you can use self-soothing with any of the emotions at the time and this is why it's important to figure out what is my most effective sense what is my most effective sense and if it is touch or movement. So movement might be to walk around and move, or it might be to do some, some exercise where it is focused on sitting with the feeling, use the feeling in your exercise to be able to soothe you back to a point where you need to then deal with the problem that came up around that. I, this, I think I might have mentioned this last time that what I do with people is I listen to what people aren't saying. So I have a little jumbulator in my head that helps me interpret a question to know what you're trying to say. And hopefully I got it right, but I'm glad you, you did clarify it. But I hope that clarifies some of the questions around distress tolerance. It's a really cool topic. And what I love about um, the, what I love about DBT in a way, so the, the, the theory itself it's really intense, and but there are elements of the theory that are really, really helpful. And I think not everybody, like I said, not everybody needs to be, in fact, to get DBT applied, uh, it's really difficult because it's quite specialised. But some of the little elements of it are so good and I wish more people had access to those, to those areas because grounding... And um, self-soothing, so good. Self-soothing self is the biggest thing that you can do for yourself. So I'm really glad that you guys have enjoyed this one. And you know what? If there is more on this topic that you want to talk about, then put something in the um you know, in the in the in the comments, so that we can go through. I've got a series of things that they all pretty much interrelate, and I've tried to work them so that we'll have a nice flow. 
Next week, I have decided, because everyone, I, I think I said last time, the biggest thing people asked for was stuff on self-care. Now, I'm doing, self-care is a really big topic and there is a lot of areas around it. So I'm doing self-care months and we are starting next week with the areas of self-care, okay, because I think that's where a bit of blurring has come and I think COVID has brought out um, some gaps in our self-care methods. Okay, so you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to wind it up now, but feel free to send any questions you like uh, during the, or either in the comments or direct message me, whatever. Love it. See you next week.